and welcome to the Post Party Project. My name is Amy Heinrich and I am your host. Join me as we chat all things postpartum, celebrating the highs and supporting you through the lows. Everything pregnancy and birth is just such an exciting time, but often chats about postpartum experiences get missed or overlooked because everything's about the baby, which we are also totally here for. But I'm here to hear you and hold you, figuratively speaking, and to listen to your experience. Think of this podcast as your safe space to share, vent, cry, laugh, and know that you're not alone. Now, let's get into it. Hello, and welcome back to the Post Party Project. I am very excited for today's episode. I know I say that all the time, but in today's episode, I chat with my friend Callie. Uh, Callie and I, we found out we were pregnant a few weeks after each other. So I think I found out, Callie told me when she was, I think, seven weeks pregnant and I was 11 weeks. So it was a pretty funny conversation, um, yeah, that she came to me and was just really excited and really fun and it was fun to go through that with someone because uh, we were only a few weeks apart in our gestation and then birth and then the early days of postpartum um, so yeah in today's episode we chat about uh, we go through the Kelly's experience going into labor birth and her postpartum experience we chat about some of the emotional waves you get from all the crazy hormones I guess post-birth and then when you decide to stop breastfeeding and yeah, talking about a lot of those beautiful moments that you have in the newborn, uh, the newborn days as well. Um, maybe unpopular opinion if you're going through them and you're currently very sleep deprived, but um, yeah, I think it's just so good to touch on those early days as well. Yeah. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. Personally, I found it really fun and I hope you enjoy it. Um, as always, I would be so grateful if you could leave me a review over on the Apple iTunes podcast app. It just helps the, it helps my show just get out there a little bit more. So I would be so appreciative if you could do that. Um, Also, while I've got you here, I just want to quickly mention my other business, which is called Bev's Buzz Break. I have worked with a coffee roastery to blend different percentage caffeine and decaf coffee. So it's perfect for women who are pregnant or breastfeeding or have hormonal imbalances and want to cut back on caffeine caffeine. So I've created blends that are uh, like 75% caffeine with 25% decaf, 50% caffeine with 50% decaf and 25% caffeine with 75% decaf. So you really can have all different amounts of caffeine and then you don't have to stress about how much you're consuming, especially if you are going, yeah, if you're currently pregnant or breastfeeding, um, I have created a discount code for listeners of the Post Party Project. You can use code PPP at checkout for 10% off store wide. Also, one more other fun thing. I have just created a Facebook group. So I thought it would be really fun to do this and we can chat all things postpartum. Currently, I am the only person in the group. So (laughs) it's a one-on-one chat right now if you join. But um, you can just search the Postparty Project, a little dash, let's discuss. And yeah, it'll be so fun. We can all chat everything postpartum, reach out to each other and support each other. Anyway, I'm going to stop chatting uh, and yeah, let's get into to today's episode okay thank you so much for joining me today kelly i am so excited to hear all about your postpartum experience even though i think i know a little bit about it but i'm excited <laughs> for everyone else to hear so thanks for joining me thank you for having me you do you probably do know just about all of it because obviously <laughs> we are friends yeah. um and yeah you know probably more about my pregnancy than most of my other friends. (laughs) Yeah, well, I am excited for everyone else to learn about that today as well. So let's get into it. Um, Let's hear a little bit about yourself and who's in your family. Um, Okay, well, I am Callie. I'm um, 29 years old, still not 30 yet. Everyone likes to tell me I'm almost 30. Um, And in my family, we've got my partner, Chris, um, who I've been with for 13, I think, years. Um, and our golden retriever, Honey, and our 14-month-old daughter, Isla. Oh, yay. And um, what do you do day to day? Are you stay-at-home mum at the moment or back at work? I, it depends on the month. I'm a little bit of a mix. I'm a freelance um, radio, podcast, and TV producer, so I kind of 
dabble in a bunch of different things. Um, most of the time I'm a stay-at-home mum doing the the housework and the the looking after of the Isla, which is what I absolutely love and I'm so glad that I get to do that. Um, but a couple of days a week I work for a radio station um, that you also used to work for. <laughs> um, and I also do some stuff with um, other podcast companies. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I've been meaning to ask you for so long, like what you've been up to for work. But I think that our conversation always just goes to our babies. So that I'm just like, 100%. I don't know what you do for work anymore. <laughs> I don't even know what I do for work anymore, to be honest. It's just a huge mix of things. And when different TV shows are in Perth, um, they'll get me to jump on and produce with them. And um, so, yeah, it's a nice, it's good because I'm not set to five days or four days a week or whatever it is. I can kind of pick and choose what I want to do. Um, so I feel very blessed to be able to do that. And I've got a very good partner who works very hard to allow me to do that. So um, I've got the best of both worlds at the moment. Yeah, so good. Um, so, yeah, let's get started um, with your uh, labour and the lead up, uh, like, yeah, the lead up to birth, I guess, and your pregnancy. How did that all go? And did you have any complications with pregnancy? I loved being pregnant. I would have 100 babies if I could have the same pregnancy um, that I had. Isla wasn't planned. It was a nice little whoopsie. Um, it was a bit of a shock, but obviously the best shock in the world. Um, but my pregnancy just went so smooth. I wasn't really sick. I think I threw up twice in my entire pregnancy um, and it was from an infection in my bladder. So first trimester, I just remember feeling that hungover, like tired and groggy all day, but was never sick. Second trimester, golden best 12 weeks of my entire life like it was just great and then the last trimester is where it got a little bit tricky because I had hip bursitis on my right side so I would just get insane pain up and down my right leg um so I started seeing a physio and an acupuncturist uh for that um and then I ended up getting two bladder infections in the last couple of weeks of pregnancy just because of where her head was she was kind of positioned blocking I guess the the path for the urine to go from mm. wherever it goes to the bladder. Mm. Um, so I ended up with a couple of bladder infections and the first one knocked me for six. Like it was horrific. I couldn't get out of bed for like four days. I was feverish, vomiting. It was awful. Um, but then once I got over that, we are fine. And then I got another one a week later. But mm. I just basically had to move her. Mm. Um, she was head down from an early stage so I could kind of manipulate her when I needed to which was good um, and then the only other problem I had was the heat mm. I do not like heat at the best of times and all I remember is Christmas day of 2020 it was like 42 degrees I was dying I decided that would be a great idea to host both of our families for the first time ever at 30-something weeks pregnant, or actually kind of been 30, but like heavily pregnant, 42 degrees. My feet by the end of the day looked like bricks. <laughs> they were so fat and swollen. I was so cranky. I wanted everyone to leave. Um, so I did get a little bit irritable in the last trimester, but mostly because of the heat. And our power bill was insane from the aircon. <laughs> yeah, I know. You just get so hot. I just remember the same, like, because we were only a few weeks apart. That summer yeah. was so hot. I swear it was like 100 degrees hotter than any other summer. <laughs> it, oh, I I would definitely be planning the next baby so I'm not heavily mm. pregnant in summer. Yeah, like, <laughs> if you can it plan was, it. <laughs> it was hell. Mm. Yeah, I know. I'm like, a winter pregnancy would be great, I think. <laughs> 100%. But that, if that's my biggest complaint, I feel very blessed because I'd I know that it could have been the other way where I was sick every day or I had complications or anything like that. I was a high-risk pregnancy because I've got a high BMI. Um, so doctors were a little bit concerned that I would end up with gestational diabetes. Um, so I had to do the test once at 13 weeks and again at 22 weeks. So I had to drink that awful drink twice. Uh, but I was fine. I didn't have any complications, any problems. Um, yeah, baby was happy and healthy. Yeah, that's so good. I think I was even speaking to you about, I think I, did I tell you that? I felt like I enjoyed that drink. <laughs> I'm like, does, yes, that mean, <laughs> does that mean I'm more likely I should have got gestational diabetes because I enjoy the sugar? <laughs> I saw you a few days before my first one and you told me you enjoyed it. So I went in thinking it's going to be fine. <laughs> and I wanted to 
punch you in the face. And I took my first sip. <laughs> it was just like flat lemonade, I thought. I was like, what's everyone on about? <laughs> oh, it, I think it's just the quantity of it that sucks. Like I could handle a sip or two, but to scull that much and it's cold and like there's someone mm. watching you and you're just like, oh, and then you're nervous whether or not you're going to have GD or not and mm. the whole thing. Yeah. So um, did you do much planning for your birth throughout pregnancy or did you have a birth plan? I had nothing. I, I am a, I'm a planner. I'm a type A. Um, I need to know I'm a producer. So that's my job is to plan everything to a T. Um, but for some reason I just felt like I didn't, not that I didn't need to, but I didn't want to because I'm someone who if my plans go off track, I get a little bit disappointed or I get stressed out. Um, and that's, I just didn't want to go into labour or if anything went wrong or didn't go to what I envisioned it to be, to be disappointed by that. Mm. Um, in hindsight, I wish I had prepared a little bit more, um, but I just basically said whatever happens, happens. However the baby needs to get here is how it's going to happen. If it ends up being an emergency caesarean, that like whatever, to get the baby here happy and healthy is all that matters. I went in thinking... I want to go as long as I can without an epidural, um, but I'm not opposed to it. I was quite terrified of the pain, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I kind of just thought, oh, I'll be able to do it. Like it won't be the end of the world um, and we'll see how we go. And it, I'm, I'm glad that I went in with that attitude because had something, my birth went completely textbook. It was an easy birth. It was beautiful. But had something gone wrong, I think I would have been really stressed or crushed about the idea of what I wanted. Mm. Um, I know what I want for my next birth now, which is a little bit different to what I had for Isla's birth. Um, but, yeah, I can't, I don't have a single complaint about my birth. I loved it. Mm. So how did you go into labour and how far along were you? I was 38 weeks to the day and I had said my whole pregnancy, I think I'll go two weeks early. So we didn't know we were having a girl. We didn't. Obviously, we didn't know when we we're going to go into labour. Um, but I said, my whole pregnancy, I'm having a girl and she's coming two weeks early. So two weeks to the day, my water broke at 11pm. We were here having dinner with our best friends, Kate and Britt. Um, and Britt had joked to Chris that he wasn't ready, like he wasn't prepared for what birth is going to be. So she, at like 10 o'clock at night, randomly put on birth vlogs on YouTube for him. So we were sitting there watching these birth vlogs and Cade was like, I can't handle this, I'm leaving because um, obviously his fiance isn't pregnant, so he doesn't need to be seeing any of these. <laughs> yeah. And Chris was kind of like, can I go too? Um, but, yeah, we watched a couple of birth vlogs. The main one was Sarah's Day's birth, birth vlog, and I'll never forget that now. Um, and I think it finished. I went, I really needed to pee, so I went to the bathroom, came back out, sat back on the couch, and I just, like, I felt a little uncomfortable, almost like, and sorry for anyone who is listening that doesn't have periods. Um, but you know the feeling when a tampon is in on the wrong angle? I felt that. So I adjusted on the couch and then I just felt the pop mm. of water and I stood up and just it was honestly like the movies, like it was gushing. <laughs> and I quickly moved over to the tiles and Chris just looked at me like, have you just peed yourself? Didn't you just go to the toilet? I was like, no, the, my waters have just broken. He's like, no, they haven't. It's too early. Like you, you're peeing yourself. I was like, no, I promise you, I know it's not pee. I've, my waters are broken. And Britt quickly Googled how to know if it's your waters. Um, and apparently it's a slight bleachy smell. So she smelt it. <laughs> what a good friend. <laughs> I know, great woman. Um, and confirmed it was a bleachy smell, which I already knew it was my waters. So <laughs> we didn't need to do that. But, um, yeah, my waters just broke. Um, yeah, it was 38 weeks of the day, waters broke. I was running around still packing my hospital bag at that point because I was two weeks early. I didn't think I'd be going in. And no, everyone tells you, yeah, you think you'll go early here first, but you won't. You'll go over. So I was kind of like, I think I'll go early, but I'm not prepared to go early because everyone tells me I won't go early, so I won't be ready. So I just remember grabbing. I had most of my stuff packed, but I just remember running around the house trying to grab things. And Chris was kind of panicking. Like, what do we do now? I was like, oh, we'll just go to bed. He was like, Don't, do we need to call the hospital? It's like, oh, I guess. I probably should. So I called the hospital. Um, they said to come in for some monitoring just to make sure baby's happy and healthy and there's no meconium or anything in the waters. Um, but then they'd send me home to labour at home. And that was, I really wanted to labour at home for as long as I could. 
Um, but I got into hospital just after midnight because we needed to get fuel on the way to the hospital <laughs> because I wasn't prepared at all. So that's my next tip. Anyone that's pregnant in your last trimester, make sure your car is always full of fuel. <laughs> Good tip. Because that was a very uncomfortable drive to the hospital. Um, so we got to hospital about 1am. They hooked me up. They kept losing her heartbeat. It came, came and went. They were getting a little bit panicked, but it was just the belt. just wasn't positioned right. Um, 2 a.m. they checked to see how dilated I was and I was four centimetres. So they said, you won't be going home. You'll be staying here until Bob comes. Um, so, yeah, I started getting contractions about 2, 1.30 a.m., I think. Um, and Chris and I did our final predictions of what we'd have and when we'd have her, it. <laughs> At that point, she wasn't it. We didn't know. Um, and then... I basically had three contractions and that was it. So I had one short one um, to start and then another one and then I had one more but it lasted for hours. Like I didn't have the heart, like the on and off that people get. Um, so I had one really long two-and-a-half-hour contraction that was awful. Um, I sounded like a dying cow. <laughs> and, I, yeah, I was, I was vomiting. I just felt really terrible. I kept trying to stand up but every time I stood up I got lightheaded. Um, but then 5.30 rolled around. Oh, sorry, at 2 a.m. when they checked me, I panicked about the pain. And so I asked for an epidural and the midwife said, yep, there's just a cesarean happening downstairs. The anaesthetist, anaesthetist is down there. Once he's done, we'll send him up and we'll get you an epidural. No problems. 5.30 rolls around. They've checked me again um, and they moved me into the birthing room. And they checked and said, oh, you're 10 centimetres, it's time, it's go time. And I just was like, well, I can't, where's my epidural? Like I think I just really panicked and that's where I felt that I should have had a little bit more preparation in, my, in myself. Um, and I just remember Chris looked at me and he's like, you're doing it, you have to. And I was like, I can't do this without an epidural. And he was like, I don't think you've got a choice, babe. Like you've just got to do it. Um, and then I pushed, so it was 5.30, I pushed for two hours. Um, she came out with her arm by her face. So she'd come around the bend and then once I stopped pushing, she'd go back in and she was just kind of stuck there. Um, and then after two hours, a doctor came in and said, right, we need to get this show moving. Um, you've been pushing for too long. Nothing's happening. I'm going to cut you and back in the forceps. And that was the one thing I really didn't want. I didn't want faucets. I didn't want a vacuum. I just wanted to let the baby come out. Um, so as soon as he said those words, my next push, her head was out. Like it was just insane. I just gave it everything. Um, and, yeah, her head came out and then obviously the rest of her came out and she was perfect. She was a little girl. Um, and my only thing, the only rule I had was that I wanted Chris to tell me the gender. Um which is, it's a funny story. He, they held her up and I couldn't see her. They held her up to Chris and I just looked up and said, what is, what is it? He goes, it's a boy. And I just, my whole body kind of felt, not gender disappointment, but just felt like that wasn't right. Like, that, mm. that doesn't, no, that's not right. Mm. And all the midwives were so scared to correct him because I had said he needs to tell me the gender. So they were kind of like, oh, dad, check again. He's like, yeah, it's a boy because obviously they're so swollen when they come out and the umbilical cord was in the way. He was so confused, the poor thing, and he had not slept in two days. <laughs> oh, he yeah. just witnessed all that. And I was kind of like, okay, it's a boy. And then the midwives were kind of like, actually, guys, it's a girl. And I just remembered feeling this incredible euphoria and I looked up at him and he had picked the name when I was about eight weeks pregnant, Isla Ray. Um, and I just remember yelling out, Isla Ray, she's Isla Ray, Isla Ray's here. And we both just sobbed. Oh, that's and, so beautiful. <laughs> oh, it was the most magical moment and I'll never forget it and I just love it. Um, they put her straight on my chest. He put his hand down on her hand and she wrapped her fingers around his finger and he just lost it and it was the most <laughs> incredible thing. Who hate me telling you that, that story? He hates the whole boy-girl thing. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was just amazing. I absolutely loved my birth. I ended up with a grade three tear, so... We had about an hour and a half or two hours together, the three of us, while um, I was at birth with the centre and um, we were trying to feed her. She didn't, she latched okay, but um, not amazingly. And then I had to go down to theatre to get stitched up um, just because of the, the degree of the tear. So 
Chris ended up having a couple hours, just him and Isla. He got to weigh her and measure her and feed her for the first time and just sat there and rocked her. And because we thought we were going home, we left the bags in the car and our phones had like 2% battery. So he just sat there staring at this newborn, freaking out. He couldn't call anyone. He wanted to tell people, but he wanted to wait for me to be back in the room. Um, so our families were left very, like, very confused and not very patient um, because he texted them at 2.30 saying it's go time. Um, but, yeah, I, yeah, I would have 100 births <laughs> if I could have that moment, that, that feeling and that euphoria. It's just indescribable. Mm, that's so nice. I love that story. <laughs> oh, I loved my birth. And I like, however she got here was how she was going to get here, whether it had to be through the sunroof, whatever it was, if she had to have vacuums and for- forceps, then that's okay. But I just really wanted to try and have as little medical intervention as I possibly could. So I was, yeah, it's a very positive birth story for me. Mm, so good. Um, how did you feel immediately post-birth? I felt great. I, I think I'm a unicorn in that sense. I, I was expecting to feel horrific. Um, I got moved to the ward about 4 p.m. Um, and because it was COVID, we couldn't really have a lot of visitors. Chris couldn't stay. It was a public hospital. I told him to leave anyway because this was now Sunday afternoon and he hadn't slept since Friday night. Mm. nor had I and I had just birthed a human but he (laughs) he was exhausted um so yeah we watched a bit of footy in the ward with Isla um FaceTimed all the family and then he went home and it was just her and I for a little bit um and all I wanted was a shower but I had a catheter in because of the stitches so I just remember having this having to carry the bag around with me and I just was like I just want to shower so bad well you can with the bag but if you wait until 10 p.m., then we'll take it out and then you'll feel much better. So I was just very excited to get rid of that catheter. I hated that thing. Mm. But other than that, I felt great. I was just on such a high. Obviously, I was on quite strong pain meds because I'd had stitches. So I know there would have been some stuff going on. Um, but, yeah, I didn't feel it. And we went home. I was ready to go. Bags packed out the door 8 30 the next morning um but we had to wait for obviously all the newborn tests the hearing tests and all of that stuff um so I think we left at about midday and came straight home and I yeah they sent me with a bunch of heavy painkillers and the tramadol and all of that but I don't even think I took it Mm. I just felt great Mm, that's so good (laughs) yeah I just I don't know I I probably was a little bit tender but I think I was just so wrapped up in adrenaline and this little bubble that it just didn't matter. I was like, mm. I, have, I have this perfect little human now. It doesn't matter. Mm. Nothing else ever will matter again. <laughs> How did that, you? That, um, that changes. <laughs> yeah. um, you said Isla struggled to latch a little bit. Um, how did you go and how did you decide to feed her? I wasn't opposed to not breastfeeding, but I really wanted to give it a go. So I, we, we latched, she ended up latching in the ward the night of her birthday, um, but my milk didn't come in for like four or five days and there wasn't a lot of colostrum. So she did have to have two formula feeds in hospital. Um, but when we got home, then you had the midwives come to your house and they showed me how to get it to latch properly and how to, because I, I already have quite big breasts so it was a three-person job. I had I was holding Isla football hold. Um, Chris had to hold my breast and the midwife was trying to position Isla's mouth to be in the right spot and to be able to mm. latch properly. After the first day, nailed it. Mm. And we had a great cut first couple of weeks. And once my milk came in, she was loving life. Um, she was feeding around the clock, which was great. And she was putting on the weight she needed to but then at four months, my milk supply, I don't know if my milk supply dropped, but Isla's weight wasn't in- increasing as much as they would have liked it to, um, according to one nurse. So I saw in the one week I saw an OB, a midwife and two doctors for other things and all of them weighed her and said, no, nope, not an issue, she's fine, she's just going to be a petite little baby. But then I had one nurse who was just horrific and she told me, I'm going to end up killing my baby. She's Mm. going to be malnourished. I need to stop breastfeeding immediately. 
And then that obviously sends you down a spiral and then you think, oh, okay, maybe I do. She said just you need to pump exclusively and feed her bottles so you know how much she's getting. So I started doing that for a day or two. And obviously if you do that, your supply drops because it's just how it works. So I ended up having to do milk studies. I ended up on the medication. I cannot even remember what it's called now, but the medication to up your supply um, for a couple of weeks. And then everything was fine after that. And we breastfed until she was 10 months old to the day. And I stopped only because I was done with pumping. I put the pump away when I cleaned the house up for Christmas. Um, And then I was going away for two nights at my best friend's wedding. And I just didn't want to pump for two days worth of milk. So I decided then and there at 10 months, that's when we'd stop only because I was going away. Had I not been going away, I probably would have gone up until a year, if not longer. Um, But yeah, I had. A pretty stressful feeding journey, but not in the first couple of months. Mm. Yeah, it's so hard, hey. Like, and then, like, because I was so hesitant to ever give Ivy formula, and then when I finally did, I was like, "Why have I been? Why have I been hesitant for this? Like, it's so. Yeah. It's just. It's great. It's fine. Like, <laughs> however they're fed. Like, fed is best is the greatest thing. It doesn't matter how it comes. Mm. And she, she was a really petite. She was born eight pounds three, so pretty average. Um, but she stayed in like a four zero onesies for months. And I think she was three months old and she was still wearing the outfit she came home from hospital in. Um, but she was just a small bubba. I loved it because she mm. just, it was, she was easy because she was so little and beautiful. And she was never, no doctor looked at her and said, that is an underweight child. And mm. on the chart, she was, she ended up dropping down to the fifth percentile and she was born into the 75th. But, again, doctors were like, it's an average. Like, you're going to get babies that are at the 1% and babies that are at the 100%. Like, there's an, it's to get an average. Mm. So you're fine. She's healthy. She's hitting all – she's exceeding her milestones. She's hitting them early. So you have nothing to worry about. But, of course, the one negative nurse gets in your head. and Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But I loved breastfeeding and I'd love to do it again. But I also didn't have an issue with her being on formula. And she loved formula. Mm. she had it for a couple of months and then once she turned one she just had no interest in bottles anymore so Mm. made it nice and easy for me yeah so she's not on any formula at the moment no she went off it yeah just after she turned one she was only having about 20 mils of her bottle each night Mm. so that was just the sign for me that she's not interested anymore yeah definitely um how did you feel when you got home I guess mentally and did you have much of a support network once you'd settled in I have a great support network in friends um, and my family and Chris's family are incredible, but both of our families don't live in Perth. Um, They live to our south in Bunbury. So Chris's mum, my mum and dad all live down there. Chris's sister and her partner live up here and my brother and his wife live up here. So we have support from them um, and we we were just inundated with love and visitors and people in the first couple of weeks and you just feel so surrounded um, and very protected in your bubble. But my three best friends, one of them had already had a one-year-old. My other best friend had a baby five weeks before me. You had a baby a few weeks before me. Another best friend had a baby like two months after. So there was a lot of people around that were all at the same stage, which was really handy. Um, But, yeah, I felt... I just remember coming home and it was really, I really wanted to make sure we got to introduce our dog, Honey, and Isla, just us. And that was a really special moment to me and something that I was very protective over because people wanted to be at the house and we got home and I was just very strict on not having anyone. Um, And then that night, the first night that we were home, my parents and brother and his wife came over and met Isla and then the next day it was Chris's family and then from there I think it was like three weeks straight we had people there all day every day which is my biggest regret um I just wish I had protected our bubble a little bit more Mm. um but other than that you you you're in two minds because you want to show off this beautiful thing that you've made but then I also look back at that time I don't remember getting a day of just Chris Isla myself just at home doing nothing just being in awe of this creation that we made uh, there was always people here, but it was also very nice because they came and they would um, they'd bring us food or gifts for Isla or whatever it was, um, which is beautiful. You just feel so much love in those first couple of weeks. 
Um, and then it does die down, obviously, but I've got a really good support support network um, and so many group chats and um, my mother's group was excellent. So, yeah, I feel very blessed in that sense. Mm, yeah, that's so good. I feel like I was kind of the same that having so many people over and I think maybe it's more people who haven't had kids in a while, like older people or like friends who don't have kids that are understand or I didn't even understand that after an hour or so I would just feel so exhausted like I loved having the people there but then I was like I'm just so tired now like I can't even like fake like I can't even laugh anymore I just felt so exhausted and obviously trying to breastfeed like it was a brand new experience for me I was very protective of that I don't I didn't really want to be sitting out in the lounge room with any like with anyone friends family whoever um trying to navigate in that first week because she'd come off and she'd go back on and she'd want the other side and she'd want to go back onto the original side and it was just quite a I was just better to be topless yeah and just let her do what she wanted and obviously I can't do that when there's a house full of people Mm. um but yeah I just yeah it's very it's a weird feeling because you want to see people and you want to show off this baby but I just I think next time I'll be a little more protective of the first couple of days Mm. Um, just to have that real bonding time. Yeah, I find it also hard to um, continue a conversation when you're trying to think about if your baby's latching and if you're like flashing everyone and then you're trying to be calm and cool and like keep this conversation going. Yeah, that was yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah, and you just kind of like, oh, like, does anyone want a coffee or anything? But mm. then you're like, I- I've just pushed a human out of my body. Like, I need to <laughs> yeah. sit down. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, no, all of, our, all of the people that came for us were very gracious and they stuck around for an hour or so and then they'd leave and they'd make sure they'd brought food or um, coffees or whatever it was. So mm. there was no one that I was kind of like, oh, my God, hurry up and leave already. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's a lot those first couple of weeks. It's very overwhelming. Mm. did um anything pop up for you that you didn't expect postpartum or you didn't really know about before just I think the struggles of breastfeeding I'd obviously heard how hard it is but you really like you just don't understand until you do it that it can be really tricky whether that's because the baby's not latching or in low supply or whatever it is tongue ties um but, yeah, that was my biggest one. I was like, this is just really hard work. But, no, I feel like I kind of slotted into motherhood quite easily. Um, I'm a very chaotic person. I'm a stress head. I'm a million miles an hour. And Chris is the complete opposite. He is chill and just laid back and cruisy. And he's the perfect person to be around in those moments where you're stressing about if she's fed enough or if she's warm enough or anything. And he works for himself. So I was very fortunate that he took a, a month off. He went back to work for two days because she was early. Um, he needed to finish a certain job. So he went to work two days the day she was born for a couple of hours. Oh, sorry, the week she was born um, for a few hours and then had a month off. So we managed to work a really good system of I'd go to bed at like 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night and she would stay out in the living room with him in her bassinet. Um, and then at midnight, he'd come to bed and I'd take over for the next however many weights she would do. So that was the greatest thing to me in that first month because he, yeah, him having that time off, it meant we got to hang out during the day and he got to help out. But those nights, it meant that I got a solid three hours at the start of the night, which with a newborn is so important. Because you spend all night, they wake up every hour or two to be fed. So I spent most of those first few weeks, or if not months, um, from about midnight to 4 a.m. on the couch. I got through so many TV series because this baby would just feed and feed and feed. And I just watched like the whole series of Big Bang, the whole series of Suits, (laughs) some other dumb show. And it was just like, it was my favourite time of the day, 2 a.m., on the couch, wrapped up in a blanket with this beautiful little baby just feeding her and just watching her sleep. And the dog was very protective of her. So she would follow us out for every feed and she'd just sit at my feet. And it was just, oh, I loved it. I loved the 2 a.m., middle of the night, no one's around. It was beautiful. 
Mm, I think you either sent me a photo or you posted a photo on Instagram of your little setup where you go and like sleep on the couch. (laughs) Yeah. I'll have to post that. (laughs) I did have a good setup. Mm. It was great. I was there last night because we had a terrible night last night. So Mm. I ended up there for a fair few hours last night with Isla. (laughs) It's so crazy, isn't it? Because I remember like, yeah, those newborn like nights and just being up and thinking like, this is so hard. Like I'm so sleep deprived right now. But now looking back like a year or so later, I do feel like those moments were so beautiful. And I'm like, oh, I actually loved those because it's just you and your baby and they're just so like, yeah, maybe they're upset, but like, I don't know, they're just so beautiful in the night. Like, I don't know, anyone going through this right now who's listening is probably like, you're crazy. <laughs> but- <laughs> I'm so sorry for your sleep dep- deprivation. But yeah, you will look back in a year and go, wow, those were the moments that I feel like just in the, it was just calm and still outside and there was no one around and, you just sit there staring at this beautiful little potato that you've made. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, those were the moments that I'll look back and that those are the moments that I love having newborns. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. my reason for absolutely loving a newborn, just mm-hmm. middle of the night feeding her. Mm-hmm. Just incredible. Yeah. Um, how, did you have any mental health kind of challenges or postpartum anxiety or anything like that come up for you? I really thought that I would. Um, I am quite a moody person. <laughs> Chris, don't hold that against me. <laughs> never allowed to bring that up. Um, uh, yeah, I can be quite moody. So I really thought that I would end up with some form of, of either postnatal depression or postnatal anxiety. I don't know why. I think just because you hear how common it is. Um, but no, I had nothing of that. I was making sure that I was um, getting all the appropriate checks with the child health nurse and. Um, the obstetricians and everything and the midwives after. Um, But, yeah, I was very fortunate to not have any of that. There was, no, yeah, there was just nothing. I just was in this beautiful little bubble and just so happy. Mm, Yeah, that's so good. Did you feel anything um, like when your milk came in, how everyone says around the, I don't know, for me I felt like around two weeks I just felt so emotional over everything. Like I would just cry, but then I was so happy. But I don't know. I'm not a huge crier in general, but I just remember that time. Like <laughs> at two weeks, I was just like, I, everything's just making me cry. And I feel like that was kind of my emotional period. Did you have anything? Yeah. I can't remember. I remember I was in her nursery because obviously they, they don't spend any time in the nursery in the first couple of weeks. They sleep in or the first couple of months. Sorry. They sleep in, she slept in our room. But I'd be in her nursery during the day and just kind of looking around. And I remember I played a lot of Billie Eilish. I was certain my, my partner, Chris, has the bluest, most beautiful blue eyes, like yours, Ames. They're just <laughs> incredible eyes. And I was praying that our child would end up with those eyes. She didn't. Her eyes are perfect regardless, but she didn't end up with the blue, which I was praying for. But I listened to Ocean Eyes a lot while I was pregnant. And I just remember being in her room one day and Ocean Eyes came on and I just started sobbing, holding her. And I was just, it was crying happy tears but it was so so yeah it was that it was the all the hormones and all the emotions and I remember sending a photo to Chris going I can't stop crying today like I'm just so happy like what is life and he was like what is wrong with you stop crying the baby does that enough we don't need I don't need you crying as well so I definitely had an emotional I think it was probably two days um where I'd just cry at the drop of a hat but other than that no, yeah. When my milk came in, everything was fine. Mm. Do you know? I just you saying that then. Just I when I stopped breastfeeding, um, I I feel like my hormones were all over the place again for a couple of days. I don't know if you experienced that, but as the song came on. Um, you are my sunshine, <laughs> and oh, that just that's made... thing to Isla every single night. <laughs> yes, and it made me cry so much. And then I was like, same thing, singing it to Ivy one night to get her to sleep, and I literally was just bawling my eyes out. <laughs> so yeah, oh, it's so funny. <laughs> I I thankfully had a good distraction when I stopped breastfeeding. It was my best friend's wedding. So I was a bridesmaid in that. So I was busy and kept, yeah, kept really busy, wasn't focusing too much on, obviously I knew Isla was safe. She was with her dad um, and then with my parents. So I knew everything was all good, but I just really wanted to be present in that wedding. So I don't think, uh, I must have felt some hormones because I was sobbing walking down the aisle. (laughs) So I definitely must have been a little bit hormonal. Um, but, yeah, I think it was pretty good. I think for me I'm a moody and emotional person anyway, so 
it was not anything out of the ordinary really (laughs) um okay so for your whole motherhood journey so far what have you found particularly challenging if anything I think just when she gets sick April was a really really rough month for us um she had a viral infection um and her temperature got up to 40.2 so I had to rush her to emergency and that was obviously peak COVID so they're testing you then that it was just chaos and that you can't get into hospitals without you have to do a, a one COVID screen and then go into another room and get another COVID screen it was just intense um, but we had an overnight stay in emergency for that it ended up being fine she got some antibiotics and she was all good um actually no she didn't get antibiotics she just got whatever she got but yeah so that was one night and then we went away for easter which was also chris's 30th birthday and on the last day she developed a wheeze in her breath um and being that we're in margaret river obviously like there's a there's a hospital there but it's not you're not home and if we were going to be stuck there for a few days we would have to sort accommodation so we made the decision to get her checked and got back to Perth but her break her breathing improved on the drive back so that night put her to bed wasn't too worried but there was just something in my gut and so I called health direct and they just said I told her told them the symptoms and they said you need to get her to a hospital immediately it could be anything um I'd rather I'd rather you be safe than sorry so she ended up having I had tested her for COVID and it was negative but it ended up being she had COVID, croup, which caused strider and inflammation in the throat, which is causing the wheezing. She had bronchitis and rotavirus all at the same time. Oh so her little body, she was hooked up to so many machines and I just remember in the middle of the night sobbing. Like it's just we were locked in a room because of COVID protocols. She came back positive. Um, and it, I just felt so alone in that moment and just so helpless and just anyone that's had a sick kid whether it's just a runny nose or something more serious you just want to be able to take it from them and you'd rather you be sitting in that hospital bed than than them and they don't understand and they're connected to all these cords and see, I told you I'm an emotional person I'm getting emotional now talking about no, it I am as well that's yeah hectic it was yeah the first time that she was in hospital was really really tough because of the temperatures and I was really stressed, didn't know what it was. The second time was a little bit easier, obviously having done it three weeks prior, but also they gave her a steroid shot and her breathing improved um, and they sent me home the next morning and she, the next day she was like nothing had happened. So, mm. But definitely that's hands down the toughest thing is just when they get sick and all they want is you, they just want mum. Mm. So you just feel so touched out and so exhausted but you don't want to not be there for them because you're their sense of comfort but you also need to look after yourself and that's something I probably struggled with a little bit um, is putting making sure I looked after myself and whether that was just getting out and going for a walk or having a hot shower on my own it like when she was ill everything stopped to make sure she got better so that that's definitely the toughest thing is is sickness and mm. obviously you're you're going through it now with mm. Ivy being at daycare and catching everything under the sun. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's just awful. Sick mm. babies, awful. Yeah, and it's so hard to know when it's serious as well because they can't speak. And yeah, I would have done the same thing. It's just like even when Ivy had COVID, we were just like, do we take her to emergency? Is this normal? Like we ended up calling Health Direct, and they said it, she was okay. Her symptoms were fine, just to monitor at home. But, yeah, you just don't know. Like, when is it? You just don't want to be that, yeah, it's too late. You don't ever want to get there. Yeah. So I got the greatest piece of advice from a doctor. So Isla is allergic or had a mild allergy to eggs. Um, And I remember taking her in to see a doctor and he just said, you will never regret bringing your child in to to seek medical attention. You'll never regret it because... Most of the time, it is necessary. Um, And so from there, I've just thought, I don't care if I'm the crazy mum who shows up every other day at the hospital, whatever she needs. Um, And I don't care. If they send me on my way, great. I haven't needed to be there, but it's it's, I'd rather go there and be the crazy mum that's there if we need it than keep her home and just second guess it. 
Mm. So I've definitely learned to trust my gut and trust my instincts. Mm. Yeah. Um, Which is so important as a mum. Like, mm. trust your instincts. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I guess on the other flip side, what have you found most rewarding of motherhood? I just have a little best friend to hang out with every day. Like, I just, if, not every moment is magical of motherhood. Um, and there are days that she just does my head in because she just wants, to, she just whinges nonstop or she won't let me walk a meter away from her. But I look back on those days still with a lot of love because you just know that she's doing that because she wants me. Like it just, you just feel so special that you're this person's whole life source. Like the only thing that matters to her is her mum and dad and now her dog now that she realises that she's got one. Nothing else matters. Oh, and Bluey. Bluey matters a lot to her. <laughs> Anything Bluey. But, yeah, just I've just got this little person that I get to hang out with and she's just, she's very sassy. She's very clever. Um, she's hilarious and she knows it. She's a little diva. So it's just cool to watch her brain tick over and learn things. And she learned what a plane was a few weeks ago. We were just having a picnic and Chris was holding her and there was a plane flying over her. He's like, look, Bubba, that's a plane. And now every time she sees a plane, she stops and looks at the sky and waves at them. And it's just really cool to watch her brain tick over to learn new things um, and learn new words. And Chris has been teaching her how to teach the dog to shake hands and <laughs> just cool things like that. And, and there's nothing better than watching the person that you love become a parent. I love when Chris comes home from work, it is the highlight of Isla's day. She just gets her little twinkle toes and dances in a circle <laughs> and just is so, she screeches with excitement. And then they will just go and sit and play while I do dinner. And it's just the most beautiful thing. She mm. just loves him so much. Mm. So mm. it's really, yeah, it's just having a little best friend is awesome. Mm. It's so good. Hey, like I just love like that Ivy gets so excited by things. It's like today we're just going to go to the shops and she just loves the shops and it's like it makes every experience so much more fun. I used to hate food shopping and now it's one of my favourite things to do because Isla just loves it. She just waves at people. She just talks to everyone. She just wants to eat snacks. <laughs> like it's just, they just make everything better and you just, it's a reminder to just slow down a little bit like, we just we went for a walk this morning and she gets out of the pram and obviously that means I have to walk a lot slower, but it's okay, I'll walk slower. Like mm. I, I'm watching her try and learn how to throw a ball for the dog and it's mm -hmm. just incredible. Mm. <laughs> I, yeah, I just, I love it. I would have, if I could guarantee I'd get another one of her, mm -hmm. I'd have 10 of her. Yeah. <laughs> but I know the next one won't be in it. The next one's going to be an asshole. I'm well aware of that because she was a very easy baby. She's she's a sassy toddler, but as a baby, she was just easy. Yeah. So I was very fortunate. <laughs> um, going back to your, like, I guess, immediate postpartum phase, do you reckon that there's anything else you could have done with or do you feel like you overall had a pretty good experience? I had a great experience, like, in terms of medical. Um, the midwives that I had that came to the house were all phenomenal. My body recovered really well. Um, she recovered really well. My one thing was I just wish I protected my bubble mm. a little bit more and just um, we were very lucky in that I felt good enough that we were out and about day two, I think. We took her to watch one of Chris's horses race. I think she was three or four days old so that's always been a joke of all our friends um so we were lucky in that sense but i yeah i just really wish i protected that bubble and i just think there's nothing more important to new mums than other people that get it reaching out so i was lucky that i had friends that understood and were in the same like part of life um but i i do feel for those that don't have friends that have a lot of babies, don't have, have, a, lot, don't have a lot of friends that have babies um, <laughs> to lean on because, yeah. But I think that's where mother's groups come in um, and I was lucky. I've got 
an incredible girl from my mother's group that I talk to all day, every day. And our babies are born five days apart. So it's really good to see how her son is compared to how Isla is. And um, yeah, I just think if you can go to your mother's group, definitely do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and but I guess, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, that we're, we're very lucky to be in Australia with the medical system that we've got and the opportunities that we've got. And um, yeah, the way I was looked after by the King Eddie's midwives was just incredible. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. I was, yeah, I feel like you've answered the last question, which was going to be um, if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice. But I honestly feel like our chat has just been so filled with you giving advice. <laughs> so much advice. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's so good. I love it. Um, is I'm there- so sorry, everyone. <laughs> I'm just throwing advice at you. But my, my, honestly, my biggest piece of advice is protect your bubble um, and don't do anything that you're not ready to do. So if you're feeling crap, don't force yourself to get up and clean the house or don't force yourself to go out because you think you should. Just listen to your body and listen to what you are ready to do. Mm. And I personally feel like it's okay to cancel on people if you're feeling crap. Like <laughs> I think so many people I struggled with that. I think I it was about day 10 or something and I was just exhausted and I had had people here all morning and I, I had another friend coming over in the afternoon and I just remember feeling so guilty for cancelling but I was like, I just need to. Like I need the afternoon to just us um but yes definitely it's you it is fine to cancel on people mm-hmm. and to tell and the other thing implement boundaries that's something that I didn't do especially with um family in terms of like kissing the baby and all those rules that you see people say like wash your hands don't, don't kiss the baby anywhere I wasn't educated on all the illnesses that they can get and thankfully Isla didn't get any but I've seen so many stories now where babies end up really, really sick and dying just because a, a grandma or a grandpa or an auntie or someone has kissed them on their face. And I'm just now I know for my next one, don't touch their face. Just yeah. Don't kiss so, them, leave them alone. Yeah. It's so scary. Hey, especially you now experienced Isla being really sick. It's just imagine that with a newborn, that would be so heartbreaking. Be horrific. So, yeah, I just think implement your boundaries, protect your bubble, and when people offer to help, let them. Mm -hmm. Like if someone says, if you want them to, but if someone says, let me bring you dinner, don't try and be polite and say, no, no, I'm fine, I'll cook. Take it. Mm -hmm. Take the dinner. Mm -hmm. Return the favour when they have a kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Kelly. I feel like our chat has been amazing. Like we said, so much advice. I think it's so, going to be so helpful for everyone. I'm so sorry. I'm just <laughs> such a talkative person. And I, it's because obviously I know you outside of this um, and I used to sit and just talk your ear off for hours at a time. So I just feel like I've talked a lot and I'm very sorry. No, it's been so good. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to get this episode out. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's chat with Kelly. I had such a fun time talking to Kelly and recording it. Um, there's a couple of ways that you can help me if you enjoyed today's episode. You can share it with a friend or share it on your social media. That would be super helpful in helping me get the word out. Um, or you can yes, yeah, subscribe and leave a review, like I said before. Thanks for listening.